I have been searching. Welcome to Following the Fire, a podcast for Christians who are rethinking their faith and need a safe place to doubt. As we wander through the spiritual wilderness, we want to find and follow God wherever the pillar of fire leads. And just like God's people in the Bible, we get lost, we miss the point, and we don't have all the answers. But maybe that's okay. We're on this journey together. I'm Nathan. And I'm Steve. Even on my heart. What I do is I, I go and I, about once every year, four-ish, and I get a new prescription, and then I forget to get glasses. <laughs> I mean, I got I got a new prescription in like June. Have I gotten yeah. these fixed yet? No, this is the old prescription. You gotta you gotta hurry. It'll run out. It don't give you long. This time I'm gonna do the old man thing and buy two pairs of the same glasses. Mm. That's 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 smart. Yep. You know you've I do that with shoes. It's like peak adulting right there, man. <laughs> You never know when they're going to change something. (laughs) How was your Halloween? I had a good Halloween. Uh, It was an unusual one here in Colorado. Uh, No, no like winter coat needed. Yeah, that was weird. No snow. So (laughs) that really opens up uh, the costume options. Yeah. Global warming isn't all bad, right? No. Great for (laughs) Halloween. A um, lot of loot collected. Yeah, a lot of lot of neighbors participating. I think the weird the COVID fear has dissipated because last year mm-hmm. it was still very real, and this year I think there was a lot higher percentage participation. So there was a yeah, like last year we went all out. We're like we're doing we're being the cool the cool house and we're gonna full bars, full size bars, full size candy bar. Yeah, and we had like piles of full size candy bars, and like ten kids came. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And usually we have like seventy or eighty or more. Oh wow! And this and so this year, Christy's like, I'm not doing that again because we had so much candy. And then yeah, I mean, you can't let it go away, so you got to you know eat, eat it, right? You just got to eat it, yeah. And uh, I'm tired of going to the dentist, so didn't do that this year. And um, just got regular candy, and we ran out, just like right about the right time. So all's well that ends well on Halloween, I guess. Are you a scary movie guy? No, I am a wimp when it comes really? to movies. So about the scariest that I can handle is signs. Oh, okay. Where it's like evangelical scary. <laughs> uh, it's like haunted house at church scary. Yeah. But but exactly. like not uh not haunted house at mega church that's about like scaring you out of hell, right? No, that would be too much for me for sure. No, I can't, I can, I do not have an appetite for scary movies, but my wife loves them. And even my son, he enjoys, um, how much that I am afraid of them. Really? So, <laughs> so any movie that is like, it has a hint of scary. He, he wants to watch it because he knows that I'm going to be scared. So oh, wow. I am legend was too scary for me. Mm, yeah. Like thrillers are, are a little bit too much. Yeah, I'm, I am probably I'm the exact opposite. Like nothing, I, I probably just 
deadened myself to it anything now. <laughs> uh, I really enjoy scary stuff, but um, yeah, I I'm not a I'm not a fan of like jump scary type stuff. It seems cheap, but I like like intellectual scary. Okay. Sometimes what's what's it what's an example of intellectual scary? Um, like for example, the so sometime I think I'm gonna do an episode on the 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 Netflix show um, Midnight Mass. Never and never it's heard. A, that. It's a it's a it's a series of like ten ten episodes long. That's it's like one and done type of thing. But it's about a little island that in this there's there's a one church on the island. It's a little Catholic church, and things happen, and it's it's scary. People die, but it has some of the most the deepest theology and interesting things that I've ever come across. So I might I might ask you to go outside of your comfort zone at some point and watch that. But no, I'm not going to force you to. <sighs> All right. Scary. That's so, what what I mean by intellectuals. It's like it's not like lots of jump scares, not gross blood spurting everywhere, all that kind of thing. It's more okay, like existential horror. <laughs> like if if like I don't know. Look, there's a lot it won't of scare top- me in the moment, but but I'll just be like kind of scared for the rest of my life a little bit. Yes, like the kind of thing that you will think about years later, like a movie okay. that I just okay. saw on Halloween. Called Midsommar. It's uh, oof. It's, is that an old movie? No, old, it's but pretty like new. Five years. Oh, twenty nineteen, maybe. I think I've yeah. That looks that looked terrifying. That like a cult movie is so terrifying. Like legitimately, partly yeah. because it's the only horror movie I've ever seen in my life, where it's none of it is in the dark or in the shadows. It's all bright light. Oof. Everything is, looks happy and yeah. fun. You know. Pretty girls dancing around with flowers in their hair, and then, ah, uh, oof! Do not watch that movie. But that's a I've, that's a I movie I will be thinking about next year. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it had, yeah, yeah. I can't. I, Talk about I your do not have just deconstruction. <laughs> yeah, that, I do like so not horror, but I I would say. Um, dark comedy is probably okay, my favorite okay. um, genre and especially I think there's a director Martin McDonough 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 and uh, he he directed in Bruges and in Bruges is this very existential movie where it's you know the the themes in the movie are apps they're kind of beating you over the head with it but um I love it because it happens in Belgium. So is it, that's maybe why. Is it in English or Flemish? It's or, in English. Or? Yeah. It's in a, it's in the Queens English. Okay. Um, Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. I'll add it to my watch list. And it has more gore than I tend to like. So it, there are hitmen and, and people get killed and things. I don't usually like that, but the ideas behind it. Um, hmm very intriguing to me and it's kind of uh an allegory for purgatory the whole thing but in this case purgatory is bruges belgium oh. <laughs> I, I use this website called letterboxd to track stuff i want to watch and what i watch and things like that and uh <laughs> review the top review on the on the in bruges 
The only film film where you will witness Mad Eye Moody and Voldemort sit in a bar and call each other names. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I, I knew I knew Mad Eye Moody. I knew uh, Brendan Gleeson was yeah. in Harry Potter, but I forget that Ralph Fiennes is Voldemort. How interesting. Yeah. So, but that's that's pretty old. That's uh, I used to use movies. That's one of the movies that I would use to see if if uh if I'm gonna get along with somebody or not. Really? So so like, you know, a few weeks into a dating relationship or a friend relationship, you can kind of bring that up, watch the movie, and then it's kind of a uh, what do you litmus test? A litmus, thank yeah. you. I was thinking of uh chemistry. You got it. Not a very fair litmus test. I don't actually care if you <laughs> like that movie. <laughs> Not objective. But I do feel like what we like, what we celebrate, uh, can be very revealing. Absolutely. I feel like those questions like favorite food, what would you bring on an island? What do you listen to? Um, All of those things. There are these little micro clues that you learn about people. Mm -hmm. I tend to be very judgmental about those things. But yeah, and I mean, I mean, I'm even judgmental in my, to, at myself or at, of myself. Yeah. Uh, like this, the, for example, the, this letterbox website has a thing where I can okay. share a link to anybody who wants to follow me or see the movies that I've been watching and stuff like that. I'm never going to do that. <laughs> no. How terrifying. <laughs> how vulnerable. Right? It's like, I don't want you to know what that, that tells this is way too much about what, what am I, what's in my brain and what I'm thinking. Oh, totally. The so when I was in, I've shared this with everyone I've worked with, which is a bad idea. That too too vulnerable. I'm an over sharer, <laughs> which is good for podcast world. <laughs> yeah, bad for corporate world. Not a good idea. And I had this summer after after college, Netflix was becoming a thing. Yeah, I don't know, like digital you, or you children out there. No, after digital, so. I was going to say Netflix started, they, they'd send you your disc yeah. <laughs> in the mail. Um, and then for a while, some volumes were available only on DVD mm-hmm. and some volumes were only remote. But when I graduated, I would, I would get the free Netflix trial for a month or whatever. I've done that like five times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but what happens especially back then less so now um now you see things like what's popular what's trending mm-hmm. and it's just like those are always bad movies but back in the day it was trying to figure out your blueprint and who mm-hmm. are you as a person the algorithm and so you'd watch a movie you would rate it mm-hmm. uh 0 to 5 stars and then it would try to decide what movie would you like based on how you rated that movie yeah yeah and it's kind of like the degrees of Kevin Bacon where you it only takes, you know, you, what is it, seven, you're always six, six seven degrees. people away from six degrees of Kevin Bacon. So you can really be radicalized quickly on Netflix. And we know that in Facebook now, but I watched some movie. I don't remember what it was. Uh, it might have been like an independent French movie because I was trying to pass a French exam <laughs> to get credit for for French in yeah. uh, college 
but I was like, that was great. Um, Amelie, maybe. Right? That's yeah, a good movie. And then, so then I said, that was so good. It recommends a movie. It's a little bit weirder, but I, I think like, you know what? That was great too. And then, so it just keeps pushing. How weird is this guy going to (laughs) get? And the movie I remember, um, I watched this movie was recommended and it said, we think you're going to rate this movie five stars. Really? And the movie, uh, I believe the name of the movie is rubber. Okay. Have you ever heard of this? No. Big uh, um, blockbuster rubber, the movie. Now I have to look it up. And as you would probably assume, um, it's about a tire that is sentient. Oh, of course. (laughs) Oh, my word. And uh, can uh, make things blow up with its mind. Oh, my word. And so it was rated, do you know what? This is the kind of movie that you are definitely going to love. You're going to love this five stars. I watched it. <laughs> I did love it five stars. Oh, and then I, I gave up Netflix. I was like, do you know what? I have to stop. You've hit the end I of Netflix. I don't know what comes <laughs> after this. <laughs> I don't want to know though. I don't want to see like, where is the bottom of this, this uh, rabbit hole? Wow. I, I, I got to read the, the, the brief thing that says, um, yeah. Are you t- are you tired of the expected? <laughs> a group of people gathering in the California desert to watch a film set in the late 1990s featuring a sentient homicidal car tire named Robert. The the assembled crowd of onlookers watches as Robert becomes obsessed with a beautiful and mysterious woman and goes on a rampage throughout the desert town. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I I've got to see this. And that's that is my brush with uh how the internet can radicalize you and also why I do not share my, uh, yeah, I'm not sure I want to continue doing a podcast with you now. We'll be honest. Yeah. It's, it's very, (laughs) like I said, can really tell a lot about somebody had to watch lists. And now Netflix, this is funny. Netflix is, um, I don't know if it heard because I read a book about mushrooms and now all of the recommendations are on Netflix are about mushrooms. Um, mm. So, there's some good ones out there. Yeah, I think it's because I don't have enough of a personality, so they they just don't have very many data points at this point. <laughs> I don't really watch a whole lot, so they're like, I guess all of these. Yeah, you gotta watch something random once in a while just to mix it up. I did watch the Social Dilemma recently. Elizabeth mm. Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg? It's just oh no, um, that's a social yeah, media. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking of like that, that other movie about him. Yeah, I, yeah, I, so, I'm kind of not. I kind of avoiding that one because yeah, I don't want to. I, I don't want to know. I deleted my favorite social media after I watched. No it. way. That's how. And so my favorite social media is Instagram. Mm. I only have like eight people that I follow on mm. Instagram, and I'm related to all of them. <laughs> And, but Instagram has fake grown up TikTok, but where you can pretend like you're not on TikTok. Right. It has the reels. And, uh, reels, TikTok, they're so good. I mean, they're designed Mm -hmm. to just hone in on what is going to grab your attention. And I, I watched that and I thought, man, I love it so much. I could spend hours watching reels. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to delete it because don't want to 
spend hours doing that. And then I, so I haven't gone all the way though. I still have, I have Facebook on a browser. I can, I can find it mm-hmm. and Instagram on a browser. And then of course, Twitter. Oh, I don't know what to but do about now, Twitter. Now Elon's in charge. I don't know what to do, but here's, here's the thing. So Elon's in charge. He, definitely getting a worse and worse impression of this guy. Mm-hmm. Same. Um, but not very long ago, if I had the like the means, I I would have felt pretty good about buying a Tesla. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I I don't necessarily would have I don't think I would have thought of the two things really closely. Like I wouldn't have been thinking of Mr. Musk at that time. But I have a very favorable view of the brand Tesla. Mm-hmm. It, it's a it's got a very good brand recognition and feel. Yeah, you know, like you like you said, it's like you feel like you're doing something cool and fancy and futuristic, and you're helping the planet. Good for the environment. Yeah, but I I don't know if that will change or not. But now Elon is like in the center of the news. Mm-hmm. That's his whole career. He has been, but yeah, taking over Twitter and Twitter is the I love Twitter so much. Right. I mean, it's amazing how people like Elon Musk. Everybody's always talking about how he's like a genius billionaire, and he—I mean, he may be a genius, but his genius is not in making things. It's like it's in knowing what to buy when. Like he didn't like he bought Tesla when it was already mostly done. Like it was it was a startup, and he bought it, and he didn't do anything there. (laughs) I did not know that. Yeah. And he he made all his money because he invested in PayPal early on, and when pay okay. before it was called PayPal, and they sold it, and he made like a billion dollars or something crazy. He's been living off that since then, and just like investing in the right thing at the right time. And SpaceX did he did start that, but um, I mean that he's not he, he's just he's just good at uh, self promotion too. He's really good at self-promotion. Yeah. Does making making you think that he he's different than he really is? We have a very there's a it's a new phenomenon where I think it's called attention economy. Yeah, you know, Elon Musk is very good at holding and keeping people's attention. Yeah, whether it's positive or negative, doesn't really matter. It's kind of all good press for him mm-hmm. uh, Donald Trump very very similar skills where um, especially when he was on Twitter Donald Trump was great at staying in the news all the time mm-hmm. right Elon Musk the same thing and sometimes he's getting in trouble um, sometimes it's for some outrageous thing he's doing or saying but that alone is starting to have a huge economic effect so that the valuation of Tesla which is significantly higher than companies like Ford, even though they don't actually do it is? or make. Oh yeah, I had no idea. Okay, let me. No, I just I assumed back it up Ford was. Let's just look at market cap. Tesla six hundred and seventy-three bajillion. Six hundred seventy-three billion, and then we'll do Ford just as a Ford Motor Co. Fifty-two billion. Really? Okay. So, so how many cars does so so Tesla's rate is worth more than ten times uh, 
Ford Motor Company, Ford of F-150 fame. Mm. I don't know if you've heard of uh, Ford. Yeah, that rings a bell. So how many uh, cars does Ford sell a year? 12? Yeah, it's like in the teens. <laughs> okay, uh, 20. I'm just looking at the past one, two, three, four, five years. About five to six million cars a year. Okay. Tesla, about 300,000 cars a year. Wow. Right? So a lot less. Ford sells more than 10 times more cars per year. Mm -hmm. They actually do things Mm -hmm. and make products. (laughs) Tesla just has Elon Musk saying stuff. And they're worth 10 times more than Ford. Wow. Isn't that insane? And that it's just like a great microcosm for it's a great example of where we are today, where in politics that that attention economy, people like um, AOC, MTG, Lauren Boebert, um, even Bernie Sanders, people who can who can capture the attention somehow and stay in the news. That's starting to be more valuable than things like, say, competence, mm-hmm. experience results delivery and so tesla is this great example of how capitalism is rewarding somebody loud more than like you know someone who makes cars yeah and does stuff and everybody starts looking up to them too yeah i can see all these things like- online like read the five books that elon musk recommends to, you know to be successful and yeah like- and he he has TED Talks, and he's um, he's a very inspirational figure for a lot of people. And there, I don't know the, I don't have a completely negative view of Elon Musk. I think there's some interesting, you know, he's an interesting person mm-hmm. for sure. But the system that raises that kind of person and elevates them, I think, has problems. Yeah. Think of the the preacher who is elevated not because of maturity or wisdom or service or whatever, but it but is hot and new mm-hmm. or just great at self marketing. You know, Mark Driscoll is maybe an example of that, mm-hmm. where what's happening in our economy also happens in churches big and small and the things that our economy rewards i I have this view that that's also what we're rewarding in churches when people are attractive i feel like christians also find them attractive or when people are wealthy or when people are famous i feel like christians go along with the same things and it seems like it should be the exact opposite that we should be immune to um, yeah. beauty, you know, like how attractive is someone, how sleek is someone, how well-spoken is someone, how wealthy are they or successful. Um, but there's not much difference? I don't see, I don't see much difference. And in, in the past few years, we've kind of beat this horse to death, but Donald Trump is just such a great example of where white evangelical 
Christians have placed their value or not placed their value. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you look back at the, the characters and, and leaders that, that were, uh, were lauding, uh, white, white evangelicals were by far the, the most supportive group of Donald Trump, mm-hmm. um, compared to any other religious, um, religious group. And Donald Trump is not a Christian or was not a Christian at that time. Baby Christian now, I guess. He doesn't live any kind of a life of value that maybe you could see in Mike Pence or, I don't know, you know, someone else who's kind of like living out some kind of a Christian life. But he was very perceived to be very successful. And then he bullied the right people. Mm -hmm. And that is what it took to to attract the support of all of the people who were raised with the same religion as me. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I, you said he, bull, he bullied the right people because he did. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people he could have bullied that he didn't. And he just picked the right ones. People that we, that Christians in America tend to think is, it's okay to bully those guys, you know, since they're bad to begin with. Yeah, and there's a long, you know, there was an us and them situation that happened that I think led to that, where Christians for a a long time, especially evangelical Christians, started to have a narrative that that we were oppressed and that we were, um, that there was a bias in the media um, against us, a bias in universities and the intellectual class against Christianity, um, and just various groups, the 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 gays who had set themselves against us, mm-hmm. and so years of this victim mentality certainly prepared us for um, supporting someone who who was going to fight fight on our mm-hmm. side. But there's still, it's still not what I would have expected. My my idea of Christianity, um, who who Christians are supposed to lift up or celebrate or or want to emulate, has always been the opposite of Elon Musk, mm-hmm. Donald Trump types. And w- one thing I'm wondering is why. I also think of people like Tim Tebow or do you remember Colt McCoy? No. Okay. Colt McCoy. Give me a second for the, that almost sounds like a, like a a made up name for like a romance novel or something. Colt McCoy. For sure. Colt McCoy sounds like what's the car. What's the car in, in the Disney adaptation of the doctor thing. Okay. Now I'm I'm not sure. Kit. Night Rider. Okay, now, now I'm going down a rabbit trail. So first, Doc Hollywood. Oh, you know the movie Doc Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's a Disney movie. This is a very long way to find this sensor. There's a Disney movie that was just Doc Hollywood. Only, only all the characters are cars who talk. Cars. Cars. Okay, the name is Cars. <laughs> What's the guy's name? What's the car's name? Cars, the movie. Oh, uh, 
Well, the, ma- the like, main guy. <sighs> Flip piston. I just what's the name? Shoot, I can't think of it. I can't even. This is so hard to Google because Cars is not a good name for a movie. Disney. You gotta do Pixar Cars. Plot. Oh my goodness. Lightning, Lightning McQueen. McQueen. I'm not even close. Okay. I thought his name was closer to Colt McCoy. <laughs> Colt McCoy was a college quarterback. Okay. Who did he play for? College career. University of Texas. Okay. Okay. Like really hot quarterback, University of Texas, but also Church of Christ. Really? He's affiliated. Plays for the Cardinals now, Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, professional quarterback now. But this guy was just a hot quarterback in the 2000-somethings. But because he was Church of Christ, he really blew up in my circles. Hmm. And the like. the people who are really proud, you know, like we have Colt McCoy and Weird Al. Right. <laughs> and so what Colt McCoy, you know, it's not like he was like, servant hearted or like in a jail ministry or mm-hmm. he was just good at a game called football and happened he to go to a church throwy guy the throwy guy and in a church of christ and so just like immediate allegiance from yeah oh yeah from our community in the church of christ like the the allegiance is very strong if you're actually coc yeah if you're tribe but if you think of let's say like uh, evangelical support for george bush that was very much a thing like this guy is our is affiliated with us um and so we place our support behind him even though he's very loosely affiliated with us but that's all it took mm-hmm. like colt mccoy again he's probably a stand-up guy but he was just good at football yeah and that evolved into the overwhelming support of people like donald trump which is now evolving into its election season. It's probably election day when this comes out. And uh, in Colorado here, Lauren Boebert in her district is extremely um, connected to the local church in her district. Oh, yeah? Is very vocal about her her Christianity and is a very hateful person. Yeah, extremely. But it's, it, yeah, it's almost like it doesn't matter how bad they are. You, they say, oh, I'm I'm going to church. Then like everything's fine. Yeah, and Donald Trump's like Donald Trump's is not going to church. So we kind of left the tracks from I don't know a faithful believer, you know, being defined as someone who you know goes to church on Sunday. Yeah. And what Lauren Lauren Boebert is doing, or Donald Trump is, is kind of fighting against the um, the enemy in our society that is perceived to be the enemy of, of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I, I guess I'm asking, how did we get here? But also like who, who should Christians celebrate? I don't think it should be celebrity or powerful or rich. And how do we, how do we recognize the right kind of people instead of just following our society into being in love with Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos or, Steve Jobs or whoever is successful and or bold or strong. Mm. So why are we why why do we why do Christians 
honor and elevate people who are horrible people. Not Christ. <laughs> yeah. The Jerry, the Jerry Falwell Jr. Documentary, yeah. documentary also just came out. Oh. He's just another example of this guy's on our side, not necessarily a stand-up guy. Yeah. But we're we're on his side. It's like if we were go if it's like if we read the Bible and Goliath was on our side. That's right. That's what it is. Yeah. It's like, man, this guy is great. He's mean, he's strong, and he's on our side. Right. But and it'd be interesting to if the Bible was like that, it'd make a lot more sense. That like every once in a while we just say, Hey, we just got a Goliath. And yeah. you know, they're you know, they're tough to keep fed or whatever you have to do with one of those. And but it's nice to have the big one on your side. But that's the opposite. The the Goliath is not the the good guy in Christianity. I think this is just indicative of like everything that's wrong with modern Christianity. <laughs> to be honest, it's the it's that. I mean, when I when I think about this problem of who do we elevate, who do we put up at the top of the list of like you're a great person, I want to be like you, or talk about you, like read the books you read. We, it's, it's become in America these days, it's become about power period. And one could argue it's always been about power for, for humanity. And I think what's going on now is that the, we, I think Christians have always, I mean, Christians are people, right? And people have, people admire power. It's kind of, it's kind of built into us. I don't know. We we admire and want to be like people who have power. And that's that's taken a lot of it's it's shown itself in a lot of ways over the years, whether that power is celebrity or money or phys- literal physical power. Do you remember the uh the dudes who uh, I I don't I don't I never saw them the, the, back in the 80s or 90s the uh the power team Christian power team. No, they're called. Yeah. The, the power team. Uh, it's a group of Christian evan- evangelists and they incorporate their preaching with displays of strength and martial arts skills. Oh, that's so cool. Okay. Like these dudes, like these huge hul- hulking guys oh, would, yeah. they'd, they'd come to your church or, they have an event and you invite your friends because these guys are strong and they go up and they like, they like bend bars and they tear phone books in half and stuff like that. And all the while, like, look what Jesus can do through you. Yeah. And it's so funny. And they, it, they, what they were doing is just tapping into the, Oh, they're still going. Sorry. I got distracted. The power team. Coming soon to, Oh my goodness. Anyway, what they're doing, they're tapping into the the basic lizard brain mentality of of humanity that you, if you are yeah. big and you are strong, then that that is a good thing. Same reason why CEOs in America, aside from most of them being white dudes, they're almost all above 6 feet tall. Almost tall, all. Lots of hair. Yeah. 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 And because we subconsciously don't even think about it, we 
assume that if you are a bigger, stronger person, that you are a good leader. Now, sure, if that that probably, I mean, it would have helped back in the days when we were, um, you know, fighting in the the jungles with each other, or even just you know, like on horseback, like with swords and stuff. Yeah, the bigger guy is going to win, and you want to be on that side. And what that's the that makes so much sense, but. What doesn't make sense to me is I don't find that in the in the Bible anywhere. No, not at all. And I find the exact opposite. Like the the entire story is is Jesus humbling himself and then sacrificing right. and sacrificing and sacrificing and giving up. Yep. And then his leader saying, "Wait a minute, aren't we supposed to like attack people?" And he says, "No." And then he he his sermon on the mount is an anti attractive, anti-power, anti-rich manifesto for for setting up this system that is the inverse of what Rome is, which is power and might and and wealth and whatever. And I think you've hit exactly, you hit the nail on the head as far as why so many people that I've talked to don't want to be called Christians anymore. They don't want to be uh, aligned with that idea because they they are the like the people that don't want to be ironically the people that i have met who don't want to be called christians are some of the most christian people that i know because they have aligned themselves with the teachings of jesus and what he stood for and they have seen that that has become 100% reversed in today's culture it's like it's like Somebody took the Sermon on the Mount and said, let's do the opposite of this and call it Christianity. I mean, I, I mean, this is exactly why, I mean, people often say that, you know, Trump was a large part of their, a, a large trigger for their deconstruction. Um, and, sure. and for me as well. And, and, the, the, and the, uh, the climate that he kind of nurtured around that whole thing. But the I think what it comes down to is that he was the trigger for lots of Christians to or to see lots of he was the trigger for a lot of people to realize that what we have been calling Christianity in America for so long is not Christianity as it was designed to be. And when I when I found out that some of the people that I, I, honor, I honored and respected so much who taught me so much about God and the right and wrong were championing this guy. I mean, we've said this many times before. When I saw that, I thought, what else did they tell me, teach me that was wrong or yeah. that I misunderstood or who knows what? So, I mean, it's a, it's a huge problem. I still just struggle with how... I don't understand how the whole system, the Christian system that is is diving into the story of Jesus and and these stories in the Bible and that that is what brings them together, that is what is defining their culture. I would like if I was a scientist, my hypothesis was my hypothesis would be the people reading these stories when they encounter a a system that is unjust they're going to go for the losers their their ideology tells them 
choose the underdog. Yeah. Or when there is someone lording over someone or rich or powerful, this ideology teaches people to be meek and sacrificing and, and humbling themselves. Yeah. In the face of that, even as a defense against the worst extremes of that, which we saw in Rome, that this is an ideology that if you grow up with this, that if this is what defines you and you encounter this in life, this group on average is going to choose to be humble or sacrificing or choose the right. the meek or peace seeking person. and. It's it's discouraging to me. I know there are tons of Christians who do that, but the the community that I was a part of and the community that I see as a group did not choose that. Yeah, and it makes me think that we're, I guess this is obvious, but we're formed more by our culture than by our actual beliefs or ideologies or the stories that we tell about ourselves. You know, just the stuff. You know, we still are attracted to fame and celebrity and wealth and symmetrical faces and you know, <laughs> yeah. nice clothes. I've, I, uh, I don't know that. Have you had the same therapist for like a long time? Yeah, yeah, a couple of years. When you when you found them, did you ever find yourself on the like Psychology Today website? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, like looking at reviews and things. It's like MySpace for therapists <laughs> and it it's just like it's no information yeah it's like here's somebody here's their face here's a bunch of bogus information like you know what's their specialty like right. depression life changes relationships life yeah you know it's like they all say the same yeah, thing <laughs> and so the only distinguishing factor like there's there's the different degrees kind of and every once in a while there's like a specialty focus but what i found out looking at therapists on psychology today is i don't trust the ones who look funny really yeah like if 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 it's like if it's a weird picture it's kind of mm. like when you go get your haircut and then you walk <laughs> in and the person has a bad haircut you're like well you know should oh I, yes yeah should i should i go through with this and with you know a, a person's appearance doesn't have any correlation to their mental health. Shouldn't. Hopefully not. Until you get to the extremes. But I still picked up on things like, well, I don't know. I don't know if I trust that person. Hmm. They they got a tooth like sticking up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Their smile's kind of weird. Don't like them. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's, it's automatic. Yeah. And it's not how, like, that's not how therapists are not, you don't look at them and then feel better that you talk to them. Mm -hmm. But my, I can't get away from like, no, the, you know, the, the ugly people are the, are the criminals and the, and the villains in the Disney movies and the good looking people are, are the hero. Absolutely. Yeah. And you don't get a lot of really unattractive uh, influencers in the world these days, especially, especially <laughs> now that, you know, everything is a video. Two seconds. Yeah. And you see that person and you immediately make a judgment call. And it's like uh, when I was way back in the day when I was waiting tables at the uh, at um, Cracker Barrel in Oklahoma City, the 
uh, servers who were more attractive got better tips. And they weren't nicer. They weren't better. <laughs> they just got better wow. tips. Yeah, um, I got great tips. <laughs> uh, oh, obviously. <laughs> That's why this is a video podcast. That's so funny. Um, yeah, it's 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 the just just humanity, and I don't know. How, I mean, that's the thing that a lot of honestly, several uh, of the big teachers of religions around the world, like Buddha, all about like bucking the system, turning it upside down, looking at things the opposite way, and not instead of striving for things, you're like letting it go. And Jesus is all about. Um, you know, lifting up the the poor and the the needy and the person who would never, in a million years, be somebody who you would honor. He wants to honor those people, and I I love in um, Dallas Willard's book, The Divine Conspiracy, he talks about the the Beatitudes uh, in Matthew five, and how a, a good way to read them to kind of get the vibe that that Jesus was trying to get across is to read them as, well, it, say, it says like, blessed are the poor in spirit for they will inherit eternal life. That's what the verse says. And even in the Greek, or whatever, but read it as even the, the poor in spirit are blessed and will have an eternal life. Even them, even the, the poor, even the, the, the lowly, even those guys, will have a place in my kingdom. And so it's not setting the, I think that the Beatitudes are not setting up, you should be poor in spirit. You should be these things. They're not ideals. They are Jesus's way of saying, even the lowliest outcasts in society, they're going to have blessings in my, in my kingdom. They're going to be lifted up and exalted. And, it's completely turning things upside down. And so I just can't get past the, I'm, I'm with you. I can't get past the, the fact that that's how the, that's how the things were, were how things began in Christianity. And it took about 200 years, maybe 300 years after Jesus was, uh, was teaching on the earth for everything to go power hungry and it became all about structure and who's bishop over who and who's pope and how much power do they have. And that turned into a political system like immediately. And then Constantine came and made it all even worse. So that's, that's the frustration that I am still struggling with. And it's hard for me to distinguish between my frustration with Christianity being abused and and used wrongly and the reality of christianity yeah i find myself constantly fighting with am i thinking badly about like the bible am i am i distancing myself from the bible because i'm distancing my i'm wanting to distance myself from christian nationalism right or am i actually learning something that's valid i, I mean it's a struggle. That's why I'm, I'm constantly telling people I don't know what I believe anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely get that because I, I now have a pretty deep gut reaction to 
the little micro signs that reveal that you're a evangelical Christian or not. And it used to be, I used to be on the inside of that club. And so those little secret handshakes that we have were so great. And I, I really liked that part of, you know, feel subversive, you know? Yeah. It's not super subversive by the way, to be a plumber and put like a big old fish on your plumber, you know, like Joseph's plumbers in Christ or whatever oh. your oh, the, like the, name the is. Oh, the Ichthus fish thing on the, in your car? <laughs> the Ichthus or, you know, like I, there was a handyman van and it was like just a lot of crosses. <laughs> and I was like, you know, like, do you build capital punishment devices or you, <sighs> yeah, anyways. But, <sighs> but, you know, those things are not as subtle, I, I don't think, as, as we thought. Um, but I have this reaction against that because it feels surface level. But part, what I can't get, I can't get away from this Jesus and God, because I, I want this society to be like what their documents say they should be like. Yeah. I think that's what frustrates me so much. And I want it to be true in my life. I want, I want to be like, I really, really want to be like who Jesus who I believe Jesus says we should be. Yeah, I do too. And it's hard to see it. And, and I wish the system, there's so many of us and so many, all of these Christians I grew up with are dedicated. Like the, when we were at, at the church we attended, like it was the biggest part of my life. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I think, you know, I judge the people who it was like, maybe not the biggest part of their life, but they're still showing up. (laughs) But the people there are earnest, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and earnest. Plus, they've got the the Bible. Like, I want it to add up to more than what I'm seeing. You know, oh, you and me too, brother. <laughs> I, I mean, I think that's always been a problem with. Do you think it's because Jesus is the most attractive deity? Like, we got the best one. He's so good looking, and so then <laughs> we're just like, I know the words coming out of that that beautiful mouth of his were about like whatever the meek or something, but he like, he's just a good looking guy. Like, I don't know who compares. <laughs> we're not allowed to draw Mohammed. So nobody knows, you know, so it could be a toss up there, but you know, if it was me, if it was like no portraits and by the way, you can't do it for forever. I assume that guy's pretty ugly. <laughs> you know, it's not like a, a... I, I'm getting the vibe that you're a little biased towards people with beards. And long hair. <laughs> yeah. White, white men with blue eyes and, and beards and long right, hair right. are my, that's my jam. Although I do think the Hindus have us beat. They got some pretty good looking ones. That's true. Like the blue skin is pretty cool. The blue skin is super awesome. They got like cool jewelry, multiple appendages, which is, you know, useful. I will say in all seriousness though, that the, the work that I think the work that Christians have done since I'll say all the way back to Constantine, um, the marketing that has been done for Christianity has tried to make Jesus attractive in a way that uh, just a regular celebrity would be attractive. Yeah. And so you see all these like, like glorious pictures and statues of Jesus with, you know, like the rays and the sun and, you know, he, uh, 
he's not a he's never an uh, an ugly guy. And I mean, who knows what he looked like? He looked like everybody else. Um, but the uh, the marketing that's been done since way back when, all and all up till now, is all focused on the stuff that we that, that it seems like Jesus was telling us not to focus on. Mm-hmm. So oh, it's one of those one of those problems that everybody knows is there, and nobody knows how to fix it. <laughs> And the, I mean, the the fixing is just a it's a heart thing. If you want to be, if you want to be a, if you want to call yourself a Christian and focus on every single thing that is the opposite of that, then I don't really want to be associated with that. But that's where we are. Yeah. The I just remembered the, like I've th- I've thought of the James verse about that it's the rich people who are dragging you to court. Why are you so enamored with them? Mm -hmm. But then I, I thought about the story of David because I feel like David is used a lot as kind of like a flawed blustery, but on the right, on the right side, you know, and that's a problematic story. And, and just the idea of him being a, a man after God's own heart, you know, that I definitely have a bias against, like when I think of David, I don't think of, I kind of think of Donald Trump, <laughs> but ironically, this, the story of the selection of David is, mm. the, you know, all these tall, strong, attractive men. Yeah. And what's his name? His family. And they pick the scrawny little effeminate shepherd boy yep. who sings songs. Yep. And and God's prophet doesn't understand this, and God says, I, "I'm not looking at the out. I don't judge people like you do. I look at the heart." And then, like, David's a pretty flawed guy. I don't know how the other people would would have turned out, but we focus on the David part, and like he, you know, the story with Bathsheba is used to excuse people today who have affairs or something right. and are in public policy but we don't look at the Samuel story and try to judge people's hearts and not strength and mm. stature. And yep. You know, yeah. I don't know what to say, man. I didn't either. I want, I don't want my, my instincts to, I don't want to be attractive to success and to beauty and to um, prestige or power. And I don't know how to weed that out of myself or, you know, or out of, out of the church, but I want to see the people who are not that and see their value, not in the way that my society sees their value. Yeah. How do we, how do you start doing that? Because even like celebrity, the, the concept of celebrity is kind of one of those things. I mean, there's lots of ways one becomes a celebrity, but like attractiveness or whatever aside, um, you meet somebody or you come across somebody in in real life that is a celebrity. You know, sometimes yeah. people kind of freeze up and like, oh, like they're a, like they're an untouchable being, like they're holy. And I don't know how to. I mean, it's just I guess it's just got to be a, con- a conscious thing that you are always focusing on. 
trying to trying to uh, deprogram yourself because it's not only deprogramming society, but society society is a, uh, such as it is uh, largely because of the way our biology is, which is the bigger the better, the stronger the better. Yeah, and I think the more we can the more we can distance ourselves from that. Once again, not just Christianity shows this all over the world for the, a lot of religions, the more you can distance yourself from that glorification being great at, because for whatever reason, the more you are in touch with the divine. There's this idea of this, this kind of idea throughout the world and throughout history that earthly things are dirty or un, you know unclean, imperfect, not what we want to be because we, we see the, you know, light, I think Buddha said life is pain. <laughs> life is, life is suffering. Right? I guess we see the suffering around us all the time. And we, we assume we like to imagine that there's a, something not that. Yeah. And so it must be in the, in the divine realm. And so that that's like, we assume everything is the opposite. And the only thing I can think of why American Christianity has gotten to the point it is, is that maybe Christianity has been that way for a long time and we just haven't been paying attention. Maybe it's not a new thing. Uh, we go back to the, the Do I Stay Christian book by McLaren. He, he gives a lot of examples of how throughout history, Christianity has just been used as a tool. And it's arguable whether or not the Christianity that the world has seen it has been a net good or not. That doesn't mean Christianity is useless or wrong or, I, don't, I mean, you know, baby with the bathwater and all that. But, I mean, these are the, the things that, I'm, that we, I think we are struggling with a lot these days in Deconstructionville. And then I think this, I think the, your, your point about the, who we honor is a very, good way to to show how like show that in real life it's a, it's a great example mm-hmm. of the over underlying or overarching problem yeah so i i don't know what to do about twitter and our new uh overlord <laughs> elon i do know in the story of the what's the the 12 year old uh girl who's died and Jesus is pressing through the crowd, mm, and then yeah. there's this woman who touches him and kind of slows him down. I would have been an apostle that I, I just would have been livid at that woman, yeah, stopping Jesus from getting to the to the important guy, his house to save her, his daughter. Absolutely, it's 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 in me pretty deep. So I got to work on that. Yeah, me too, man. I do, like you said. Um, I'm, this is a wrap up, but the Christianity has been used to support structures like slavery or patriarchy or the Roman Empire or France or whoever. Right. I wonder if you can just assume that if Christianity is supporting the current power structure, that it's that it's doing the wrong thing. <laughs> right. Should should it be so countercultural that Christianity never aligns you with? You know, it, we're American, so it's capitalism, the Constitution, mm-hmm. the democracy, and um, 
now that I say that out loud, that's a very bad litmus test because both sides are going to use that pretty poorly. But <laughs> should I don't know that it's that far <laughs> off from a decent. Should influence. should your Christianity, you know, be supportive of the system you're in, or should it always be challenging you? Yeah. To question that system. Well, I think that the 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 arc of history, looking backwards, it's seeing seeing the direction it's going. Humanity is going to be focused on power and 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 in many ways, whatever that power is. Yeah. And I think that I honestly think that saying if Christianity aligns with that power, you're you're, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Just yeah. try again. <laughs> Do better. The, the arc of history leans and maybe you should not lean in the same direction. Right. That's what I would say. Yeah, there's enough forces around p- pushing it in the wrong direction or away from that. Yeah. That's probably a decent litmus test, I'd say. Uh, it's just everybody. Everybody just needs to agree with us, Nathan. Can we, how can we? Well, I don't. I agree with us, and I still don't know what to do. So I. <laughs> well, that's. I mean, that's what needs to happen. I mean, someone needs to magically wave a wand, and everybody agrees with us. And there and, you and go. We're good. Yeah. I wonder if there's someone we could. Uh, ally you know team up with who could just make people do it for us hmm. someone big and strong someone who has enough money or someone right really powerful we could just we could just get them to do it for yeah us. and just like make it so that all the laws are the way that we want them to be and all the all the That's judges the are the way we want them to be yeah and then yeah and the way we want it to be is to not align with that system sure so. right but i mean you gotta have you i mean Means you gotta break end. a couple eggs. You gotta break a make couple a... Uh, skulls <laughs> to make a democracy. Wait, no, that's not right. Christian nationalist <laughs> omelet or whatever we're making here. Uh, trying to it the whole di- the whole problem of trying to live in a world and not be like it. Yes. Yeah. That's hard. Some days I just want to give up. Not today, Satan. Don't yeah, don't don't do that. <laughs> I I want to see how the generation that comes out of pandemic and Christian nationalism and all that, the ones who are in this uncomfortable space. You know, your kids are you know an example of that mm-hmm. generation. What are they going to do with Jesus? What are they going to do with the society that they're in? And are they going to be better or worse at their awareness and intention to follow or not follow that pattern? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, Gen Z seems to be a bit different. Yeah. They seem to be worse. They're, bucking yeah, the system. The younger they are, the worse they are. That's my <laughs> agreement, my opinion. But yeah, maybe they're. Maybe we can give them some patterns to follow. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, better head out. It's been good chatting with you. We solved it. No, well, <laughs> yeah, using the big strong guy, if that's what solving yeah. means. All right, talk to you later, Nate. See you next time. Hey, thanks for listening. We hope you got something out of the episode today. Check the show notes in your podcast app for all the links and references that were made, or you can find it all at 
followingthefire.com. If you'd like to support the show, please go to patreon.com slash followingthefire to become a patron. And of course, we'd love it if you rate the podcast and share it with others. See you later. And I'll give you all my heart. Don't you know it's all I have? Even on my heart. Can't compare with what you're worth. I have been running Almost all my life But you You always chase me down